Hello and welcome everyone to another weekly market commentary from Stashaway. Of course, with us, our Chief Investment Officer, Freddie Lim. Hey, Freddie. Hello, everyone. And, um, you know, I would like to say uh, in advance, uh, Happy New Year as well. Yes, no, absolutely. Let's. Uh, this this was one for the books um, uh, of a year, right? So let's see how 2021 gets started with. But uh, yeah, lots of changes in politics as well as in hopefully with the vaccination uh, moving forward over the next six months, we'll probably have a clearer picture on what that all means. Um, Freddie, from last week, we got, you know, quite a lot of um, questions. Um, so let's today just address those questions because I think we kind of will be talking about the general market anyways, uh, by just going through the questions. So let's start with the first one. It was um, asked, and the question is, any way for us to invest into ARK ETFs through the Stashway platform? So is there a way for, to, for us to do that, Freddie? Well, um, we constantly look out for, you know, uh, more differentiated asset classes to, to, to bring them in. Uh, we don't think about funds first. We think about asset classes. And then we think about the funds that will track them to, to, to bring them into the portfolios. Arc is, is and has been on, on our radar. Um, but the nature of Arc is active. So it's, um, they don't have an index where uh, they are benchmarked against. But it's a very remarkable fund uh, run by Caddy Wood and the teams of analysts uh, that, that looks at innovations. Um, so we are tracking it um, in a sense, um, and uh, we are. And, and one of the ways to, one of the challenges of including Arc is that it does not have an index to 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 look at. And if you want to extrapolate longer into the economic cycles, like going back. A longer time period to try to gauge expected returns in different environment uh, that it tends to be challenging there so uh, we're sort of doing uh you have to do a lot more groundwork uh, there's also style drift that we are trying to analyze if the early days of arc when they didn't perform so well versus a standard uh tech select etfs uh if we can explain that those 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 style changes and it has a great year this year but we're also trying to gauge the impact of whether you know their popularity will compromise their returns, as you know, uh, one thing that can happen to fund managers are when they get big, and if the the, the methods of investing has is is, is going to be constrained by uh, the, the size factor, uh, we need to evaluate that as well. So because it's an active fund, a lot more has to go into um, evaluating the ARC funds, uh, but it is actually on our radar with a lot of curiosity. Great. Um- Next question, Freddie. Um, he's asking about the U.S. stimulus, right? So does the U.S. stimulus package cause advantages or disadvantages to the investments in U.S. equities or the U.S. market going forward? Wow, this package um, came a bit late and a bit too small um, and still bickering about the amount of paychecks for individual. Um, um, so we may actually see more. So I'm going to look at the question that's saying, uh, a series of packages, right? Potentially, um, if that happens, um, it, it does help consumers tie, tie things over um, while waiting for vaccine to be fully delivered, and that's the challenge for 2021, where uh, we need to manage the current wave of infections while waiting for the good news to be shot into your arm. And so, it will hopefully we see more. Uh, but what it does to the U.S. base asset is that it may debase or devalue the U.S. dollar further if more is to come. 
And so when as international investors, we need to take into account of that potential devaluation. So uh, if I want to buy something in the U.S. Uh, and if it's going to be depreciated another 10, 20%, is there something else better with a different geography? So that I think that's more like the answer to the question. Well, absolutely. Especially now that they are even, I think, in the House, it's already passed, right? Or in the Senate that... Uh, they're going to increase the payment from 600 to 2000 um, to to the individuals as well, right? Um, Freddie, building up on that, there's a different question from someone else as well, right? Going into that same direction. And he's saying, hey, Freddie, what's your view for the U.S. currency in 2021, right? After the 900 billion stimulus package, uh, meaning U.S. Pre- is printing more and more money to support the economy, right? Um and yes, obviously now, you know, maybe the increase in payments to each of the individuals as well. well yeah. What's your view then on the currency? I know you said there might be more devaluation coming, but uh, do you see this coming? This, this package is not, it's already priced in. I think that's what Philip is also alluring to. It's already priced in. The US dollar you see today is the US dollar that reflects fully all available information with that package. Um, in fact, we have to think beyond the 900 billion was ability of the Biden administration in pulling through two parties together to work on a, a more packages that remains an unknown. So it's really difficult to forecast um, the immediate. Uh, is there any further depreciation in the U.S. dollar? And in fact, since we all are bracing for a depreciation, just any small hint that new packages are going to be pushed out would make the U.S. dollar bounce uh, against our. our our views uh, uh, by surprise, so so that's how the, the, that's how annoying the markets could be. Um, but if you think beyond the immediate, yes, the risk is towards more depreciation. Uh, but but by saying that, I'm making the assumption that Biden will pull through uh, one uh, more packages. Yeah, and then last question for today, Freddie. I think it's very um, timely question that the person is asking. This is it's actually about um, you know Alibaba. And the China crackdown uh, on Alibaba, especially knowing that in China, you know, the high, ra- the high rate of conviction uh, is usually uh, it's at 99.9%, as the person alluded to. Um, and obviously, this week, we've seen it, right? I think, you know, Alibaba shares have been punished quite a bit, right? I think back-to-back days of, you know, almost 10% uh, negative days. Um, obviously, still very high from, from IPO levels, but um, where do you see this going? And is this just a slap on the wrist or you th- see more, uh, you know, headway coming there? Well, um, uh, there's a lot of rumor, but the truth is that the entire, the fintech part of Alibaba was, and financial was the, the probably the, the one causing the, the problems. And it's, I wouldn't say it's related to rumors, but I just want to focus on what the regulators want to do. And, when you look at the details, the ecosystem in China never really started with adequate or at all <laughs> most basic regulations on on the risk, right? I mean, like if N Financial is going to go IPO and be bigger than before and taking more deposits, doing payments, uh, taking deposits, giving out a lot of high yield for parking money with them and all that, why are they not regulated like a bank? Because like any other depository, the deposit-taking institutions, right? And so um, there's also concern that by Alibaba for years has been losing money, and also M Financial has been for years losing money on payment on purpose to finance their expansion into 
you know, user acquisition, but to gather people into a place where they can offer wealth management services, insurance services, and, and a variety of other services. But as you know, um, money losing proposition compromises balance sheets, right? If your capital base is not, uh, it has to be evaluated like a bank now because you're, you're that big. So um, I see that um, regulators more focused on risk management before they allow it to happen. And two, also on the levering the playing field for the smaller player because it's always been dominated by, uh, China is always dominated by a few kingmakers in each area, right? So I think the pro would not just stop at Alibaba. It will widen to, you know, every other uh, tech companies in China. Um, and, and it will be or have to be objective. It's not vindictive. So, I, so I'm not worried, but that it is a headwind in the near term. Our larger requirement for capital will sort of slow down the growth rate, right, for this firm as they restructure to the demands of the regulators. So in the case of Ant, it may have to sort of form another company to warehouse um, other services outside payment from it. And those other services will have to have the same regulatory standard, capital requirement, governance uh, uh, and audits as uh, uh, comparable banking institutions, right? I think that's only fair to us. And hence, the, someone may argue that you may not see as high a turbocharge growth rate that, that we have seen so far. But in return for safety and long-term health of the ecosystem, I would say well worth it. Uh, and in fact, I see that as an opportunity for statutory users because as these things are not heating up, it's now suddenly you know uh, having a few more requirements, but the ultimately great China technology uh, investments over the long haul. I think that's fantastic for the dollar cost averages like ourselves to uh, keep deploying our savings and keep investing into something on dips. Uh, we, you know, we don't want to always buy high and sell higher. We hope to buy low, sell high at some point, right? So this is one of those opportunities about to open up in my personal opinion. No, great opinion, Freddie. And I, I, I'm truly, I'm, 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 I'm completely with you on that, uh, as we've spoken to about before as well. But um, so for everyone, um, we will be back uh, in the new year. So next year, next week, when you see us, it's already the new year. Um, we will have some exciting new um, webinars coming up and in-person events, hopefully soon again, um, as well in 2021. But Freddie, as some final parting thoughts, especially since we next time we speak, we are in the new year, as I mentioned. Um, what are some of the lessons then, or one of the lessons that you think you have learned as an investor in going through 2020? <laughs> uh, number one, uh, you know, uh, reading the news, um, social media or not, but like the being bombarded to so much stuff going on, that's not help investing. So that's number one. Uh, learn to tune out the noise, uh, and uh, you, perhaps out of the thousand things you you read today, you find five things that that matters. So be very be very um, have have some high standards in the filtering. Um, if you can't do that, number two is important. Uh, risk management starts from day one. Uh, it's always easy to sort of look at an asset class and saw it, you know, exploding in returns and. And, and, get, and getting uh, the, the fear of missing out, it's very easy to succumb to that. But just always go back to your financial plans and say, hey, uh, what is my natural risk tolerances? By investing in something, am I increasing my risk beyond the, my target? Uh, what do I have to do to bring my overall portfolio back in line? Uh, so I think that number two is really what keeps us safe. 
and resilient and successful over the long term. Absolutely. No, thanks for sharing that, Freddie. Um, so again, everyone, um, thank you again for listening to us all year long. We hope uh, we, we've, we've uh, provided some valuable insights um, for everyone. So if you have any comments or concerns or any kind of feedback for us, always feel free to put that in the comments below so that Freddie, myself and the team can pick that up and constantly improve ourselves and uh, you know answer all of your questions over time so with that being said wish you all a happy new year and we'll be with you again both next week until then bye bye